God, thank you. Thank you, God, for just your presence, God. We don't want, Lord, anything we do this morning to be some ritual or something, God, that is just empty. But, Lord, we want everything that we do, God, this morning to be real, to be our heart toward you. And, and Lord, we just want you this morning. We need you, God. We need to hear from you. And I pray that as we open your word, as we study it, God, that you would speak to us. And if not already, God, you've been ministering through your Holy Spirit to our hearts this morning through the worship, God. And, and we just enjoy that. We enjoy your presence. And so now we ask for your Holy Spirit to bless your word, to anoint your word, God. And may you speak clearly. May you help us, Lord. And God... Through it all, Lord, may you transform us, may you change us and bring us, God, to the place we ought to be, God, to the place, God, of really living out who we are in you, Jesus Christ. So we thank you, anoint this time, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen, Amen. all right. Hey, I read this article on uh, new building materials. And the title of the article actually said, New Building Materials That Will Revolutionize Construction. And so they put out some different construction material. I know here in Hawaii we'll use wood, um, a brick. We'll, we'll, we'll use like hollow tile and all that. I know our house is both hollow tile and wood. But these new building materials are stronger, lighter, and they say sustainable and it's going to change the way we build. So here's the future. Uh, some of this material I'll just give to you. First of all, I saw this. I thought this was interesting. Self-healing concrete. Uh, this concrete is made with water-activated uh, water bacteria. I guess I don't understand that. But it produces calcite to heal any cracks in the cement. They say it has like a 200-year lifespan. Crazy. Another building material is a transparent aluminum. It's made of a ceramic alloy that they say is 85% harder than sapphire, resistant to corrosion, radiation, and oxidation. Another one is aluminum foam. Can you imagine making your house out of foam? Uh, These foam blocks, they say... Well, it's 100% recyclable uh, foam made by injecting air with molten metal into this, this substance. Another thing I thought this was interesting was wool brick. Uh, it, it, it's brick fused with wool and, guess what, seaweed polymer. Maybe you could eat it with your rice huh, at dinner. Well, it offers 37% more strength than traditional bricks. And lastly, I thought I'd just throw in here was a 3D graphene. It's a 3D printed carbon lightweight foam that is uh, 5% of steel's density, but up to 200 times its strength of steel. I thought that was crazy. They they say it has the potential of supporting skyscrapers to 98,000 plus feet. Crazy, yeah? Technology, what people are inventing, all these different kind of building materials. Well, today I want to tell you about this special material God uses to build his church. And, it, and we're not talking about the physical building, but the spiritual building. 
today in our study in 1 Peter, you know what the Lord's going to show us? Through the writing of Peter, God's going to show us about the house of the Lord. And that's the title of our message this morning, The House of the Lord. We're going to be studying 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. Verses 4 and 5. And in these two verses, I have three headings, which, again, as we've been doing lately, wrap up into our points. So number one is we're going to find the building's foundation. Number two, the building's construction. And number three, the building's operation. So the building's foundation, construction, and operation as we talk about the house of the Lord. All right, let's begin here with number one in our outline, the building's foundation. The building's foundation. And for this heading, we're going to be looking at verse 4 here in 1 Peter chapter 2. So if you can uh, look in your Bibles there and take a look with me here. Verse 4 of 1 Peter chapter 2, it reads like this. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. Well, we'll stop right there. We begin here with the Apostle Peter, who's been writing this book we've been studying. And the first thing he says here in verse 4, he says, as you come to him. Who are we coming to? Well, we're coming to the Lord, Jesus Christ. Christ, our Savior. You, you can see that, but if you just look up to verse 3, where we ended last week, if indeed you have tasted that, who? The Lord is good. So then now Peter goes on in verse 4 saying, as you come to him, who's that? That's the Lord. Now, the Greek word for the word come here in verse 4, it speaks of coming, but it speaks of coming and abiding. It speaks of like remaining, like staying in God's presence. Now, we know as believers that we can personally come to God at any time. We can be intimate in our approach to God. Remember when Jesus died on a cross and rose again, and as we believe in that and we become saved, we have access to God now. We can go directly to him. We don't have to go through one pastor or priest or anything like that. But you can pray. You can, as we worship here this morning, we can go into God's presence because of Jesus Christ. So that's, that's the thing in mind here. As you come, we can approach. We have access to God. There's no more separation from our sin. And we can, as Hebrews 4.16 says, right, we can boldly come to the throne of grace and find help in time of need. And so Peter is saying, look, as you come in that manner, as you have this access, as you intimately come to God. Now, we're going to finish that, that thought in a moment. But I want you to keep something in mind here. As we enter into this passage, in this section, this section actually goes from verse 4 to verse 10. And we're going to get to the rest of this section next week. But as we come into verse 4, I want you to keep in mind the context of this passage before us in our Bibles. It's basically this, that believers in Christ, children of God, have a special place in the kingdom of God. A special place. 
you hold, as a believer in Christ, you hold a special position, we could say. You have special privileges. We have a special place, all because of what Christ has done in us. So as we enter in here, that's what we're beginning to see and discover. This is what Peter is laying out for us as we come into this section. So he starts here, as you come, as you intimately come, as you intimately approach God, as you come to Jesus, what does he say here? Next he says, as you come to him, a living stone. So as you come to the Lord, to Jesus, you come, and he says, to a living stone. Now, what is that? A living stone? What's, what's he talking about? Well, the word stone in original language really speaks of, it means a building stone, a stone that you use to build a building. And so as we enter into verse 4, Peter, in speaking of Jesus Christ, him here, he's putting forth this analogy. He's putting forth an analogy of a building, of Christ being a stone in this building. Now, I don't know, I was thinking, Peter maybe had in mind back, if you remember, in the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, remember, Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? Who, who, who am I? What do you guys think? Who, who am I, right? And Peter, remember, he spoke up. He says, you're Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, I'm going to call you Peter, the small stone, yeah? But upon this rock, this huge stone, I will build my church. So upon the truth, the rock of the truth, that Jesus is Christ, the Lord, the church will be built upon that. So maybe that's where this analogy is coming, but here's this thought, right? For Peter, as he's writing here, that Jesus is the foundation stone on which the church is built. He's that foundation. He's the, the main body of truth of what we know about him and what he's done in bringing salvation into our lives. Now, the interesting thing here is that Peter puts a word in front of this stone, right? He puts the word living. So he says, hey, Christ, uh, him, the one we approach, we come to, we have access He's the living stone. He's changing this analogy to, to a building or construction and building something. And he says, you know, Jesus, he's not just the stone or the foundation stone. He's the living stone, which is interesting to me because how can a rock be, be alive, right? It, 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 it seems to be one of those um, oxymorons, right? Uh, two words that contradict each other, you know, like like. Uh, phrases like act naturally or like almost exactly or maybe some of you guys use the word the same difference yeah these oxymorons I I like this one I remember forgetting that (laughs) so that's what it seems like here living stone how could a stone be alive but Jesus is the living stone because he's alive from the dead Right? He died on the cross. He resurrected on the third day. And he is alive from the dead. He's living. He's, he, he's, he's the son of God. He's God. And he's alive right now. And we can go to him. Remember way back, stores sold like that. Do you remember a pet rock way back then? Right? Remember? Um, you know, 
But you know what? You can still get one on Amazon. I looked it up. You know how much it is? $29.99. I'm thinking someone's making a lot of money right there, right? I mean, for a rock, I'll go in my garden and I could, I could have my own. It's funny to me because it's advertised this pet rock, right? It, it, you don't need to feed it. No, no need to take it for walks or bathe it. Um, it comes pre-trained, they said. If you say stay, it's going to stay. If, if, you, if you say um, uh, a sit, it's going to sit. It's all pre-trained. It'll never run away. You don't have to put it on a leash or anything. Well, why is that? Because it's a rock. It's not alive. But as Jesus is bringing us this idea of this building and the foundation stone, he's saying, look, he's the living stone. Jesus is alive. And he's alive in that we have this relationship with him. It's a real relationship. It's a living relationship. It's it's not just some religion like you can never know the founder. Think about that. I mean, if you're a Buddhist, can you really have a real relationship with Buddha? No, he's dead, right? Same as many other religions with Muhammad and all that. But with Jesus Christ and only in Christianity do we find the founder of what we follow is alive. Jesus is alive. Which, let me ask you, do you come to God in a living relationship? Do you approach God in that way? Or is it some kind of like dead ritual? Like the song we just sang, do we just come with empty words, you know? Do we just come and and saying and singing these words or we say prayers in an emptiness? No, we come and sing because we, we, we're with Jesus. We're, we're crying out to him. We're talking to him in our prayers. When we study his word, you know, we're looking at what God has written and he's speaking to us. We have a living relationship with Jesus Christ. So I like this where, where Peter's like, do you come to him, the living, living stone, the foundation of all of our faith and what we believe. All right, now, this living stone, Peter tells us something about it. In verse 4, he goes on as he says, as you come to him, a living stone, now this living stone is rejected by men. Stop there. Now, we understand what that means as we study through the Gospels and we understand that the unbelieving Jews and the Jewish religious leaders rejected Jesus as their Messiah and Savior. But he really was, right? But they didn't like what he was doing, and they didn't feel like they lined up with what they thought, so they rejected Jesus. So this living stone was rejected by men, by the world, by the Jews. But what Peter's saying next in verse 4, but in the eyes of God, in the sight of God, you know what? Jesus is chosen. He's the chosen one to atone for our sins. And we talked about that plenty in in other books on Wednesday night, that Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah, that he was the coming one, that he was the chosen one, that he was the one that was to atone for our sins by dying on the cross. And that's how we can have forgiveness. That's how we can be saved. It's through Jesus Christ. No other way. And then also, Peter writes, Jesus is precious. 
So in God's eyes, in the sight of God, chosen, Jesus is the chosen one to atone for our sins, and precious, the word precious means costly. In other words, though Jesus was rejected, right, God highly honors him for his sacrifice, for his work on the cross, for everything he did to buy our salvation. Now, let's put this together here. Let's put this all together so far in verse 4. In this analogy, right, Peter's putting forth this picture of a building. In this analogy, Jesus is that living stone, the foundation of our faith, uh, the, the truth of the gospel, why he came and all the work that he's did, how our salvation is built upon Jesus Christ. And then let me bring this in. Uh, look ahead. We're going to see this next time. But, but look, look ahead to verse 6. Now, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, he writes, For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone. Now, Peter's in, these, in verse 6 and 7 is quoting actually Isaiah 28 and Psalm 118. And again, we'll get into that next week. But notice how Peter, quoting the Scripture, speaking about Jesus, says, uh, A cornerstone. And look, chosen and precious. Same words as above in verse Four, And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And then verse 7. So the honor, there it is, that he's precious, is for you who believe. For those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected, rejected has become the cornerstone. So let me bring your thoughts into this. So Jesus is the living stone. Peter introduced this analogy in verse 4. And then later, he's, he's going to bring in support for all of this he's going to talk about in verse 6 and 7 from the Old Testament scripture. But basically, Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus, when we talk about him being the foundation stone, he's the cornerstone. That's the ancient way of saying that he's the foundation so you understand this. Back in ancient times, builders, were they would use stones to, to make their buildings. And um, there's not much trees. A stone was more prevalent. So they would get the stone, and the stone was sawed, chiseled. Uh, uh, it, it would be hammered. And it would shape perfectly into this block to use in all the building plans, so to construct a building. Now, the most perfect stone, the one that's most square and symmetrically right, everything, that stone was laid down first. And that stone is called the corner stone. Why is that? Well, because that corner stone, in its perfectness of it, it it's, it's, it's um, how perpendicular sides, top, and everything, that would set the line for the rest of the building. Imagine a cornerstone set there. And, and, and its edges and its top and bottom sides are so perfect that, that from there on, as you put more blocks down and it goes out, it's, it's going to make that perfect line. It'll be plumb all the way. And when you come around, come back, and you start putting the walls together, everything will click together because of that one perfect stone. It set the lines for the building and, and even upward, perpendicular both ways. If that cornerstone was off, Guess what? The whole building would be off. So with that in mind, this is what Peter is saying. 
that Jesus Christ is that cornerstone. He's that foundation for our faith, everything in who we are, our salvation. If we're talking about even the church, he's that foundation, the cornerstone. So here's our point here. With the house of the Lord now, the building's foundation is true and it's solid because it is Jesus Christ. I mean, if, if the cornerstone is off and the building gets off, it's structurally, it's not going to be sound, right? And it'll fall apart. But with Christ being the building's foundation, the cornerstone, it's true. It's solid. In Matthew 16, 18, again, uh, where Jesus says, And on this rock I will build my church. Remember what he says next? He says, And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Because Christ, because the church is built upon Christ, the cornerstone, the foundation, even Satan cannot bring it down. That's how solid it is. The other day, uh, I was praying for um, you know Pastor Tommy guys in Okinawa because I don't know if you saw the, there was a cat category five typhoon coming in. They called it a super typhoon. I, the name of typhoon, I can't say it, but. It, more. I mean, it was spinning Category 5, and it, they called it a super typhoon there in the West Pacific. But you know what? God answered prayer. It spun down and went in between Japan and the main, uh, China mainland over there and, and, and all. And it actually, when it did hit land, I think it was a Category 1. I was, I was, as I was looking at that, I, I realized that um, they were saying they've had, like, maybe over nine typhoons over there this season. Crazy. And, and then after this typhoon, there's another prayer request from Pastor Tommy. You know, here, another one's coming. And then another one's coming. And another one's coming. I was like, whoa, that's crazy. But my mind went to our trips over there in Okinawa, how the, how the buildings are built there. They're solid. They make it to withstand these hurricanes, or we call it, to coming over there and 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 any of this you know calamity calamity kind of situation yeah, you know what I'm saying um, that it'll stand. Think about this now. Christ is our cornerstone. Christ is our foundation. He's a life. He's 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 real. And so with our life in Jesus. He's our true and solid foundation. So no matter the, the winds that are blowing, the storms, the typhoon, hurricanes, Jesus is your solid rock. And I believe that's something the Lord wants to tell you this morning. So trust Him. He is your rock. Psalm, 18, Psalm 18 verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn or power of my salvation, my stronghold. Hear that today. Jesus is the living stone. He's the cornerstone. He's your rock. Go to him. Go to him. Trust him. When it's hard, when it's the hardest ever, when the wind's blowing, the rain's coming down, the storm is too much to take, run to him. You won't sink. Run to him. He'll protect you. 
run to him. You'll be safe with him. I was thinking about this, and this old, old song came into my mind. It's really based on Psalm 61, verses 1 and 2. And it goes, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the ends of the earth, I will cry unto you when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. And I I, I heard that, and I was thinking, God, that's what I want to do. I want to run to the rock that is higher than me. All right. We see here in the house of the Lord the building's foundation, and it is Jesus Christ. He's the cornerstone. Let's go to number two in our heading. Number two is the building's construction. The building's construction. Now here we're going to take just the first part of verse 5. Take a look here, First Peter 2, 5. It says, You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. And we'll stop right there. Now Peter's saying, okay, with this in mind, Christ is, is the living stone. Christ is our foundation. He's that cornerstone. Peter goes, hey, and you know what? Guess what? There's something really great in this. You, and when he says you, he's talking about you, you believer, you child of God. This is great. He says, you yourselves, you guys, you're like living stones too. He goes, you guys are living stones. Now, we're going along. The idea here is with this building analogy. The living stone, Jesus Christ, right? He sees that foundation. Now, think about this way. Jesus, who is alive, he has made us alive, hasn't he? Right? Ephesians 2, we are dead in our trespasses sin, but he has made us alive, Ephesians chapter 2. So Christ has made us alive from that deadness of sin in, in our salvation when we came to Jesus Christ. So now with Christ in us, guess what? It makes us, we go to this analogy, a living stone also. We're a living stone as we follow this analogy in the house of the Lord, in the church. So you and I as believers in Christ are one of the, we would say, building blocks of the church. We're one of the building blocks of the house of the Lord. You're you're part of the construction here. And this isn't anything new. It, it, It really was already in the minds of the apostles um, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 and 22, Apostle Paul writes about this too. You can look at this later, but he writes how believers are members of the household of God. First he says that. We're in the family. Yeah? And then he says, we, were, we are built, he uses that word, on the foundation yeah, of the truth of the apostles taught, who taught about Jesus, who is, and then Paul says, the cornerstone. Yeah? The, 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 the foundation of this whole structure. So even with the Apostle Paul, he understands that, that we are, as believers, every believer is part of the church in this analogy, a building block of the house of the Lord. Every one of you. It's not, well, I don't know if I really fit that. I don't know, you know, where I'm at. But if you're in Christ, you are part of 
the building. That's, that's what Peter started to introduce to us, this special place we have in Christ. This special place that you and I have in the body of Christ. And as we look at this analogy, a building block of the church. And so believers are living stones. In verse 5 he says, like living stones, you're, you are being built up. In other words, you are being constructed together. Doom, 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 making a wall, right? All linking and connecting together. And it says uh, in verse 5, you are being built up as a spiritual house. So here we go. We're not talking about an actual physical building here, right? It's just an analogy here. We're talking about a spiritual house, a spiritual place that God comes to meet us to worship him. Now, the word house here actually is the Greek word oikos, and it is used many times for the temple of God. So it's talking about this house of God, the temple of God. Think about it this way. You and I, we're part of God's new temple, a new temple, not the old Jewish temple that sit, well, doesn't sit there anymore, but used to sit in Jerusalem, but a whole new temple. And I think this is the big picture here for this morning. This is what Peter's putting forth. I mean, here's, here's what I think. If we go back to verse 1, if you remember in chapter 1 of First Peter, he was addressing uh, those believers who, who've been uh, dispersed, right? They were, they were scattered out into the whole country and into, into the whole Roman Empire. And so he's speaking to them. And so it's almost like he's saying, look, you guys, you know, the the Jewish temple is in Jerusalem. But you know what? The real temple is the church of God. The real temple and the construction of that church is believers as building blocks. So it's like he's saying, so you know where God's temple is now? It's not in Jerusalem. It is in the gathering of believers that's what he's putting forth here and and i love that he says christ is the living stone and we're a living stone now it's really talking about that the life of christ lives in us and that makes us the living stones and so together think about this way together as we gather together as we meet together we make up the new temple, and that is the church. We gather together with Christ living us as living stones, and and everything we do is founded on the cornerstone, the living stone, Christ, uh, Jesus Christ. And when we gather together, it's like each of us's building blocks are making this building, the church, and that's where the Spirit of God is. It's no longer in Jerusalem. He's saying, "Look, you guys, it's where you gather." It's where you come together. That's the new temple. That's the house of God, the house of the Lord. So you understand, this is why we say many times, the church is not a building, right? The church is really believers gathering together. So here's the big picture Peter gives of the house of the Lord. The building's construction is made up of saved and Jesus-filled believers. The building's construction is made up of saved and Jesus- 
filled believers. Years ago, I remember I was thinking about how someone inferred uh, that we weren't this church of Country Calvary wasn't a real church because, well, we were, remember when we were meeting at Kalama School Cafeteria. Yeah. All the, all, you know, because we didn't have our own place, because we didn't have our own building. But we understand it's not about what kind of building or what, what you're meeting in, uh, whether big or small. It's about the people with the life of Christ in them meeting together to worship him. That's what it's about. And so isn't that just crazy to think that you and I we're the building blocks of the church. You and I that we make the walls. Yeah, That, 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 that we make the place of where God comes and meets us. We make that place. What a special place we have as part of the makeup of the church of God is Christ fills us as believers. How amazing is that? Let's stop and just think about for a moment how amazing it is that the life of Christ is in us. I mean, and on Wednesday we started the book of Acts and we're talking about the Holy Spirit filling us. And that's amazing to me. But the Bible also tells us that Christ is in us. The life of Christ is in us. Matter of fact, turn to the left to Galatians, to the book of Galatians and probably know this verse, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, but, but I want you to stare at this. I want, I want you to, to understand that Christ is in you. Christ is in you. How does that happen? Well, as you're turning there, because we've been forgiven. We've been made righteous through the blood of Christ. So the Holy Spirit can come and into us. And now we read here, look at Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ, like I died with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, like right here on earth, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Isn't that great? But Christ lives in me. I want you to get that. I want you to start putting that into your mind today to understand that, that we as a church, as people of God, as, as we gather together, you know, we're, we're living stones because of Christ living in us. And that no matter what you may go through, no matter the challenges and storms, Christ is there. That's why God can say, I will never leave you nor forsake you, because he's right there. He's right with you the whole time. I, I don't know, I was telling some guys recently that um, 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 I was thinking about this and back in um, when we had watched Rogue One in Star Wars, there's that Kung Fu guy with the stick that's blind, you know, and he would start, whenever he got into a fight, he, was, he would say, um, I am in the force and the force is in me. And he just repeat that over and over and over. And at first I was like offended, like, no, there's no force. There's only, you know, a real Holy Spirit, a person. But then it kind of clicked in my mind. You know what? I got to tell myself, I am in Christ and Christ is in me. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. I am in Christ and Christ is in me. That should mean something for us. That should give us security and strength and confidence and wherever, whatever happens in our life. 
How amazing is that? That the life of Jesus is in us. So that's why the building's construction, you and I is made of saved and Jesus-filled believers. I was thinking about this thought. Think about how when you miss church, does that mean there's like a puka in the wall on our building? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. We're missing someone. Yeah. We're missing someone part of our of the family. Yeah. We're not as linked together as we should because you're part of the ohana here. The church is a gathering of God's people filled with Jesus. That's why it's so dynamic. That's why many of you have come back after COVID and Oh, you know, you, over and over I hear the same story. Oh, watching online is great, but, but it's not like being here. Why is that? Because when we're together and the life of Christ is in us and then Christ comes and fills this, this place and our hearts and everything, it's dynamic. It's, it, it's not the same as just sitting at home. Notice something here too in verse 5. It says that the living stones are being built up. That means God continues to expand this building. You know how? By saving more people. By bringing more people to Christ. Where the life of Christ comes into them. And they come to church. And, and th- that's how it works. Peter's saying, yeah, he's continuing to build up the church through salvation. All right. Well, the house of the Lord... We've seen the building's foundation and the building's construction. Let's go to our last heading, the building's operation. The building's operation. Now look at verse 5. He goes on here now. Being built up a spiritual house. And now at the end of verse 5, he says, To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, in this last portion, in this last verse for today, Peter comes to switch this analogy a little bit from a building to a priest, from the temple to the priests who work inside the temple. So he's actually calling us believers that he's building us up. He's making us to be holy priests, to be part of the priesthood. Now, we understand that in the Jewish temple, if you have that in mind, that remember through Moses and Aaron, there's a whole priesthood, right? The Levites were the priests who who ministered in in the temple. They worked the temple. They were the ones called there into that holy priesthood. So Peter speaks of that role, really, of the Jewish priests. Back then, if you remember, the priests were the only ones who can enter the temple. The regular people couldn't. Yeah. They were in the outer court. But to go in the temple, it was only the priests. To go into the holiest holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, which re- represented God's presence, only one priest uh, once a year could go in. So you remember, access wasn't there, but we have access in Jesus Christ now. So now in Christ, anyone can go in. So here's Peter. Look, we don't go to the temple. We are the temple now. We don't go to priests yeah, first, 
bring our sacrifice. No, you are priests now. We're priests now. We're priests actually going into God's presence. We're the ones going into the temple. We're the ones offering up the sacrifices. And that's what he says next here in verse 5. To be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices. No, not the animal sacrifices. Not, not, not that. But the spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So it's not about animals, but we're offering up worship to him. We're offering up uh, how we live to him. Uh, uh, we're going to get into this in a moment of, of what is a spiritual sacrifice. But this spiritual sacrifice, Peter says here, it is acceptable. It's, it's what God receives because we're in Jesus Christ. We can come in and bring these offerings to him because we're saved, we're able to. There's no sin that's separating us. It's what God desires. It's what he tells us what he desires. It's what he wills in our life. So what are these acceptable sacrifices that we offer up to God? Well, here's some of them that we find in the Bible. And first of all, let me give you this. There's this offering of giving out love. This offering of giving out love to one another. And that's really from Ephesians 5 to it, where, where um, the Apostle Paul wrote, and walk in love. Right before that, in the end of Ephesians 4, he was talking about be kind and compassionate, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven us. And then he says, follow God as, in, as children of God. In verse 2, in five, uh, chapter 5, he says, walk in love. As, you know what, Christ has loved us. He's our example. And then Paul goes on to say, and given himself for us and an, as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. So we are to give an offering to God. Our sacrifice to God is by giving out love to one another. You know, I was thinking about this. Sometimes we live in a society, I should start this by saying we, we live in a society if you look in the world and sadly even in the Christian body now today ever since COVID we live in this society as a whole is that you know what if, if you don't think the way I think I don't, I don't want you around we cut them off if, if you don't feel what I feel then you're, I don't want you to be around me you cut them off there's a divide a separation you see it in our government you see it in our society but remember in our, uh, a few weeks ago, earlier in, um, uh, or, or at the end, end of First Peter, we talked about the message called A Mission to Love, right? The Mission to Love. I was calling you guys not to be that way. And I was thinking about, no, we, we got to give this sacrifice of love, yeah? Love to each other. And I was thinking about, you know what? We're going to be in heaven all together one day. And we're going to be in heaven with those that don't agree with me. You know, so it's like, hey, why, why divide today? Yeah, we know we're going to be all together. Number two, another spiritual sacrifice here is an offering to do good and uh, be generous. Hebrews thirteen sixteen says, but do not forget to do good and to share for with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. That's a spiritual sacrifice that we do. We, we give, we're generous, that, that we do good with each other. Not bad, not put 
you know, put someone down or, 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 or do stuff to them, but we do good. And even, um, I'll add this, in Philippians 4, Paul actually wrote about the sacrifice the Philippians made for Paul in, by supporting him and giving money. Number three, there's the offering up a sacrifice of praise. Another spiritual sacrifice is offering up a sacrifice of praise. We probably know this one, Hebrews 13, 15, Therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So when we come to church and we're together and Christ is living with us in us and, and, and Christ is here and we come to worship, we're giving that spiritual sacrifice. We're, we don't give animal sacrifices anymore. That's done with. The atonement is done. But what we do give is our worship. We do give our, our voices, our hearts in our voices in praising the Lord, worshiping Him, exalting Him. And, you know, we should want to do that. So, you know, we should be here, not at the end of worship. You know, sometimes people think, oh, worship is just a warm-up band. Yeah. No. No. This service starts right when uh, the, the opening prayer happens. Yeah. We're coming to God. Matter of fact, prayer is, is an offering to God, right? The sweet-smelling incense, the, the, the small altar of incense they had in the temple. The prayers of the people was going up to God as a sacrifice. So our prayers and our, our worship, it's a sacrifice, an offering to God too. I'll tell you, we have to approach God like that. Yeah? We have to come to church and worship that. Not, I uh, wonder what song they're going to sing now. Oh, I don't like that song. Why Why they pick that song? You know? Or, or oh, I, you know, no. Together, as a church, we're singing this song as an offering, a spiritual sacrifice to our God. Last one, I think maybe the hardest here in this list. What's a spiritual sacrifice? Well, number four is offer yourself as a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. You're a living stone? Guess what? You're a living sacrifice too. We know this. Romans 12, verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. We are living sacrifices. And we hear it all the time. Pastors say, you know, the thing about a living sacrifice is the living sacrifice can get up off the altar and, and, and go, you know. No, we're supposed to keep ourselves there as a living sacrifice. That our life, yeah, it doesn't belong to us anymore. It belongs to God. That our life is committed and surrendered to God to do what He wants, what His will is, what the Spirit is leading us to, that we will walk in the Spirit, not in the flesh. We are that sacrifice. So as priests, so to speak, in this temple, we're actually offering ourselves up. Ourselves up. Everything we are. What we think, what's in our heart, what we say, what actions we take and what we do. You are that sacrifice. So what matters here for God, for the house of the Lord. Now I'm going to bring it back to that. And this is our last point. The building's operation is coming to God with our spiritual sacrifices. 
That, that's what matters. As a church, as a house of the Lord, as people filled with Christ coming together, as living stones, where the walls, building blocks, everything. The building's operation now. What happens in the building? It's coming to God with our spiritual sacrifices. And let me say this. I mean, a, a, a lot of this, of course, is, is individual. We could do this every day, you know, live our lives in this manner in, in these spiritual sacrifices as part of the holy priesthood. But let me, let me keep it in this context of being the church, being building blocks. You know, the building's construction is us. We need to offer these spiritual sacrifices right here when we gather together. Giving out love, doing good, being generous to one another. Uh, the sacrifice of praise, worshiping together. And be that living sacrifice even here when you come to the church, whether it's in your service or to each other or, or stepping out of your comfort zone and say, hey, let me pray for you. You know how we ask someone and we say, oh, how are you doing? I was talking to someone the other day. I said, isn't, isn't this funny? Someone comes and asks us, how are we doing? And um, we don't want to lie, yeah? But we don't want to tell them that we're not doing good because if we say that, then we got to say and, and be real with someone. So we say, oh, I'm okay. <laughs> I think that's that hidden thing. But I, I, I think we need to be showing enough love, connecting enough that if, if you aren't doing good and someone asks you, you, you can say, oh, I'm not, I'm not doing good. Can you pray for me? Yeah. Then we, we, we would be honest enough. Yeah? Knowing that we're going to get love, that someone's going to do good, that someone will pray for us, that they're not going to like, oh, what's wrong with you? Yeah, I knew it. Right? I mean, no wonder people don't want to share. Right? The building's operation is coming to God with our spiritual sacrifices. Listen to what John MacArthur wrote. The church is not a building made with stone. It's a building made with living flesh. Then he went on to say this. Believers become the living temple of God, offering to him spiritual sacrifices. And I like this. Not possible anywhere other than in the assembly of the redeemed church. I think that just brings it all together here in this analogy of the church is building Christ, our foundation. We're the living stones, and now we're, we're priests now. We're ministering to each other. That It happens here. It happens when we gather together. And so let's not neglect the operation, what's supposed to be going on here, that we are to be doing. Let's not neglect those things. We can drift though, yeah? It's easy to drift. Maybe there's sin in our lives. Maybe, maybe we've been hurt by someone in the church. We can drift. Maybe the enemy's been attacking or, you know, maybe there's situations that, in, that has happened that, that make you just just kind of, uh, what's the word, kind of like pull in, yeah? And you don't want to talk to no one. Sometimes I, I'm in some things, I don't want to talk to anybody, I'm not going to talk to anyone about it. I'm just shamed or my pride or I, I'm just so hurt. I, I just don't like to talk with anybody, you know? You ever been there? 
But even in that, God wants to work in your life. Even in that, God wants to use the situation sovereignly and help you to grow, to come to him. Go to the rock. Yeah? Go to him. Experience him. Even in that, God wants to grow you to a place, even where maybe you'll recognize that in someone else in the church, and you know what they're feeling like. And maybe, maybe, you, maybe the Holy Spirit gives you discernment that you need to go, and they're having a problem. Just, just go and pray for them. You don't have to ask them. Just say, hey, I just want to pray for you. And just pray. Understand that God is at work in all these situations And he's working in a way that we would come together as a body, as a building, based on Jesus Christ, Christ in us, living in him, that we would be this church that's alive with God inside. Sometimes I think maybe we're just spiritually lazy. Maybe you do come here as a ritual. Maybe, Maybe it's that you're asleep, so to speak, spiritually. Yeah? You need to get back to Christ. We all need to wake up to who we are in Jesus Christ and wake up to what we're learning here, that we are, you and I, we're a building block of the church and understand what that means. And we need to wake up to that today. I'll close this with this. I read about a, a civilian defense official like from the state, they were um, tasked to like draw plans and 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 have a plan uh, for all the shelters in the city, you know, uh, for for times of calamity and things that happen, uh, 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 natural disaster and things like that. So he was going around the, the city and everything, securing places that could be turned into shelters. So he went to this one church and asked the pastor of this very large church. And he asked him, well, how many people does a pastor think could sleep in the, the whole church building? Well, the pastor replied, I don't know. But with a smile, he said, but we do sleep about 1,400 people every Sunday. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> Let's wake up today. Wake up in church. Wake up to what church is about. That's about you and I, the building blocks. It's about you and I. We're the construction of this building. You and I, every one of you now, is a special part of God's house, the house of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, as we come to a close this morning, there's many things we covered here, but in the many things, God, There may be one thing, maybe more, that you have convicted our hearts on through your spirit. Lord, we want to respond to that. And I want to respond, God, in saying, forgive me, God. Forgive me for being more focused on me than others. Forgive me, God, for not realizing that I have a special place in your church here, that It's not about this room, this building, this space next to Pizza Fresh and Makwal. But it's about gathering together with your people and being able to link together like building blocks in a building. That that we're able to connect and, and it's here 
Lord, that, that you are, that you meet us, that, that we meet you, that we hear from you. God, thank you that you live within us, Lord, and that we will never be alone. And with that, we find strength and hope. We find the ability to pray for one another. We have the ability to come out of our shell. And, and we have the, really the ability to love each other, to forgive, give, give grace and mercy. But Lord, we want to remember what it really means, the house of the Lord. The house of God is us coming together as your people. Lord, if any of the spiritual sacrifices that were listed today, God, that we're failing in, oh, Lord, help us, God. Forgive us first, cleanse us, and help us to get up and get going by your strength, dependent upon you and your sufficiency, Lord. And, God, we know we can because I have been crucified in Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Christ lives in me. And we live by faith in the Son of God. Lord, it's because of you we can do this. So I pray right now, God, that your spirit, as we close up, Lord, that your spirit will come, fill us again with the overflowing cup. Revive us from the sleepiness or laziness or deadness, God. And spark our hearts, Lord, to know who you are, who we are, and why we are here today, and why we live, God, is because you live in us, Jesus. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen.